You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Hawkins Labs in the Upside Down. All right, Vocal Fam, we are excited. We have, we are back. Is this three straight guest episodes? Yeah. Goodness gracious, vocal fam. See, <laughs> you thought we were that. you thought we were done with guest episodes because yes, we is. had been such a mess all spring, and now here we are, but three here in a row. We are. That's right. Um, and and I would say if you've not listened to Lori Sonnenberg's episode from two weeks ago on demystifying voice health, or uh, gosh, Our singing, lovely trio. Si- singing through change last week. What a great book. What oh a great gosh, trio yeah. of women. But we are joined today by David Cisco and Laura Josepher, and I hope I said that right. Gosh, I just didn't ask Josepher. Yes. You did. Perfect. David Sisko and Laura Josepher, um, we're going to talk about ContemporaryMusicalTheater.com. They've got two books out, one on auditioning and one on performing in contemporary musicals. And uh, So anyway, David, Laura, welcome to Vocal Fry. Yeah. We're so happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. I've wanted to do this for quite some time, and, and uh, we kind of had a major false start to our spring because there were too many things going on in our lives. But but we're happy to have you. And, and I was so thrilled that David had sent me an email about... Uh, about ICVT, we're presenting on the same panel this summer in Vienna, and awesome. um, and and it just made me think. Oh gosh, I'd love to have you all on the podcast. So fantastic! All right, so um, I, uh, let I, it doesn't matter who goes first, but since since, uh, since guests sometimes are like, oh no, you go first, you go first. I'm just going to say, let's let Laura go first alphabetically. <laughs> Um, and Laura, tell us a little, tell the vocal fam a little bit about who you are, your background, kind of what got you into all this, etc. So uh, I am a director, uh, an audition coach. I started my my life at NYU as a musical theater performer and quickly realized that was not the place I wanted to be because I spent more time watching other people than working on my own performance. (laughs) So um, I actually fell into stage managing next. Uh, I became a stage manager, worked up to the Broadway level doing that. I, I call myself an accidental stage manager. And while I was stage managing, I realized directing was really where my heart uh, lies. So that's that's where I've spent the most of my career. I also spend a lot of my studio time working with young artists, specifically artists um, like middle school, high school, college age students, preparing them specifically for um, performing art school auditions, college auditions. So I like working specifically. I work with adults as well, but I do I do specialize in working with um, young artists as well as traveling regionally and directing theater. And I love working on new musicals. That's always been my passion. Don't That's we? Awesome. Don't we all? Um, absolutely. All right, David. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, my name is David Cisco, and I grew up in uh, upstate New York close to Syracuse, ended up going to Syracuse University for my undergrad. I did a dual degree in voice and composition. Um, I thought I was going to be an opera singer. uh, So I went to, (laughs) I know I always chuckle when I say that. I was like, oh, that's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of your career now. Yes, that seems Uh, adorable. I know. And um, and so I went to grad school. specifically for vocal performance, thinking that's the kind of the track I was going to take. And it became very clear to me that that was not, um, through lots of situations, that was not where my life was uh, supposed to lead me. And so I moved to New York and uh, continued singing, but focused more on musical theater and then started writing musicals. Uh, I am a part of the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, uh, which is a Tony Award winning uh, workshop. Amazing, amazing artists come out of that um, that particular workshop. And uh, I'm now a voice teacher. I'm on faculty at NYU Steinhardt. Love being there. This is my second year there for, um, as an adjunct faculty. And I music direct uh, from time to time. And um, and yeah, and uh, started this website, contemporarymusicaltheater.com, and uh, brought my friend Laura on uh, to, to join me. 
as well as I mean being a fine composer in, in just in general mm. really lovely songwriter vocal fam if you don't know David's songs uh, d- give them a listen Sarah is yeah. this the first like legit songwriter we've had on the podcast in five seasons yes it might I'm honored be. you yes. may have the honor of being like the first <laughs> legit we've had Actual. so voice teachers <gasps> voice scientists singers performers uh, does Ben I mean we had Ben on granted not to talk about his composing we no, had him on to talk true, about Avengers that's true that's true that's true <laughs> I don't know if that counts but, but you may have the honor of like the first uh, actual com- real composer on the podcast yeah. hey first place second place I'll take it it's all good <laughs> All right. So, David, take us back to, you know, how, like, let, let's talk about the website first. So they have this great website, Contemporary Music Musical Theater with an R-E vocal fam. So if you're a Nats member, I know it's E-R in the journal every single place. <laughs> but their website is ContemporaryMusicalTheaterRE.com. How did that come about? What was the genesis of that? You know, that kind of thing. First, uh, I'll tell you that we we purchased the domain for Contemporary Musical Theater ER too. So if you type that in by mistake, it'll just take you to our website. Oh, too. perfect! So That's good. wonderful. <laughs> perfect. Okay, we, perfect. we did have the for- <laughs> yeah, we had the foresight to do that. So um, so that that well, um, I that the, the website started with um, actually a call to or an email to Stephen Alper, who is a phenomenal composer of uh, The Immigrant, a musical that played off-Broadway in 2001, um, uh, written with Sarah Knapp, is the uh, lyricist and book writer, I believe. And um, brilliant, brilliant uh, music. And I, I didn't get a chance to see the production, but I really responded to the music. And I was looking to get a particular song from it for one of my, my clients, because um, the, the sheet music hadn't been published. and had a great interaction with with Stephen over email and he had said uh well I'll just give you the music and I was like no <laughs> please I mean thank you but yeah. you spent so much time and effort years writing this musical don't don't give don't give it away right I'll, I'll pay you like eight nine ten dollars whatever you feel is right for it right and it got me to thinking wait a second I'm a voice teacher looking for this material that's unpublished, that won't be published because of the traditional publishing models. It's just not uh, cost effective, I understand for them, but there's all of this great material out there. And I'm also a composer that uh, that a lot of people don't know, especially my musical theater songs. A lot of folks don't know that that's, that's another part of my my life as a, as a writer. And so it's like, how can I bring these two groups together and, and and bring them also in with musical theater performers who are looking for this material. There's so much amazing writing that, that I was seeing coming out of not only the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, but also NYU Tisch Grad Writing Program. There's so much phenomenal writing. And, um, you know, theater writers get paid bupkis. <laughs> you know, yeah. their their songs are so often pirated. They're taken. Um, you know, people just hand scores around like you know, uh, like it, it's not somebody's livelihood, uh, even though it is. And so, I was like, what if we built this site? And it started as a poster paper presentation, uh, as you mentioned, Nick. And 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 then we ended up building an actual site of like these are all these great writers, and um, you should buy their music from them. And so we became a subscription site so, uh, because we curated the material on the website. And then eventually we started to sell the music. We built a, a sheet music um, platform on our website so people could actually purchase the music directly from the writers. So the thing that's kind of very different from uh, a lot of other uh, services, um, publishing services, is that we, um, we take the subscription price uh, the subscription, um, and then we pay the writers whatever the writers charge for their songs. So every writer gets a hundred percent of the sale price of their song. Wow! Yeah, That's nice. fantastic. I don't have to tell you that normally, you know, publishing companies are taking forty to sixty yeah, percent from right. writers. And you know, again, we, you know, unless you get to Broadway, and even then, you know, it's really hard to make a living as a writer. And so we wanted to try to, you know, we call ourselves a for-profit with heart. <laughs> we try to really. Um, make sure that we're not making writer making money off the writers' backs, but that we're actually creating a collective that brings together writers, teachers, musical theater performers, students that are looking for this material and creating community um, amongst these these amazing uh, group of artists. 
You know, I remember, I, I thought this was such a needed resource when, when you debuted it, because I remember like 2005 teaching adjunct and my college musical theater students, like I think Benj and Justin had just like finished workshopping edges at UMich and like, they were like emailing them about like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, how can I get these songs? Because they had already heard them. And, you know, it was like the wild, wild west passing around contemporary sheet music, you know, totally. through email. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was amazing. Um, so anyway, absolutely a needed service. So how did you, w w Laura, how, when you came into this, did you come into the website first? Did you guys talk about the book first? What, the first book first? Like what was, what was the genesis of y'all's professional collaboration? Well, we met actually because I directed a production oh, of a show oh, that David wrote okay. with his collaborator, Tom Gualtieri. Uh, that was our first introduction. A, a mutual friend introduced us. So that was my first introduction was to David um, as a writer and a friendship and a collaboration ensued. And then he had already started this website and uh, he was looking to kind of take it to this next level so i yeah. said hey how about me <laughs> so um we we joined up uh so that was the first thing was that i joined um on the website and you know kind of took took that to the next um next level the book sort of grew organically sort of out of that because through the the website you know we we wound up talking to a lot of educators institutions colleges universities you know started talking to them about this material uh and then you know part of what we were realizing was also you know david was someone who was sitting in on a lot of college auditions <laughs> that was something that we realized you know first of all the problem is sitting behind a table listening to people auditioning in any form, you know, I was doing it more on the professional uh, auditioning level. David was doing it, it a lot as as faculty member looking to hire a new freshman, you know, bring in a new freshman class mm -hmm. and realizing, you know, these people sing the same four songs all of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what, how can we help young performers who are out there knowing they need to audition, but are you not realizing that this material is out there? So that was the gap, you know, partly, of course, to feed the website, but more also from a, you know, uh, an educational standpoint of also letting people know you need to dig a little bit, but there is a way to find great material that's not overperformed. Um, and, and that was how we sort of, you know, how, how our first book, which is Mastering College Musical Theater Auditions, um, came to be. It was sort of a, a melding of our worlds um, and getting that material out to, to the world. So and, please, please, David, go ahead. Uh, just in, through our, our own personal uh, coaching, we also saw parents and teachers saying, I, I'm at a loss. <laughs> okay, I, I'm out of touch. Um, from what needs to happen in this process, or like I, uh, this is, I'm more classically trained, so I don't know what the process is for musical theater auditions. You know, there were, there were, we were seeing that there were, there was a hunger and a need for information, not just for the students about how to prepare for their auditions, but also how teachers and, and parents could support their students. Um, yeah. Doing that. So that's, that, that's, uh, that's a, an important component of the book as well. So, so with that book, that that was what four years ago. Gosh, Time has no relevance to me. Time has no relevance to me because of the pandemic. I, I call it it's any. I call it the great before. It's just uh, like right? anything correct. the great before. Co co correct. Because I feel like it was like two thousand maybe fifteen, sixteen. Okay, uh, I was the first. Say 16. Yeah, yeah is when I think it went the first edition. We did a second edition, and we're actually right now working on the third edition. Um, obviously, wow. so much has changed. Yeah, it's going to yeah, come out. Yeah, edition. For sure. Well, listen, come out this uh, this uh, summer. Let me just say congratulations on that. Any book that makes it to its third edition, dang, y'all are fancy. That's <laughs> I don't know fancy. about that, but as, yes, Dave. You know, there there is so much that has changed. Obviously, the pandemic actually yeah. did change a lot about college auditions and some of the you know the online and self taping components and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, so that and of be course, you know, a lot of. That will be in Absolutely. this new edition. Yeah. You know, and also issues of equity and diversity and inclusion. We really wanted to address a lot of that, which in some universities and colleges are really addressing, some are not, but that's something that people auditioning and their faculty and their parents need to be aware of when they're looking for programs to just yeah. kind of keep that in mind. So we wanted to address all that in this new edition. 
And the other thing that's kind of cool with this new edition is that there's going to be an online companion with it. Uh-huh. We're developing a whole online companion. It, uh, the, the new edition will also have activities, which is linked to the online companion. So you can really, I, I think you'll be able to take a d- deeper dive into the process um, through this new edition. So by the way, Vocal Fam, the book that the first book that we're talking about is Mastering College Musical Musical Theater Auditions. That's the book that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you did not, I, I don't think we actually said the title when we kind of dove into this. Um, uh, I, I remember, you know, I, I'm glad you you all made the comment about like. Um, parents are confused about this world. Teachers yep. are confused about this world. Well, yeah. if you're in high school, you might be confused about this world. Like, unless you come from an area that just has a thriving musical theater community, I mean, or maybe a more urban area, you don't know anything about yeah. auditioning or what to look for in college programs. You know, we talk about in the book, uh, I remember this so clearly. I can see the the, um, the young woman's face when she she started singing bring him home from les mis ah. and i'm like oh mm, some piano teacher in iowa told you that you should sing this and and that's no disrespect to iowans but they just you know she didn't have access in c to, yeah bring exactly him home in c oh, in no c. it's it's funny that's your the thing you mentioned i definitely sang empty chairs at empty tables in high school and thought that like that was a great choice for me <laughs> Yeah. And here we yeah. are. And I, don't get and, me wrong, I love that song, but was it the right choice to try to audition for anything with? Right, Ooh. right. And, and again, so much has changed in terms of, you know, uh, Laura talks about uh, the EDI work that uh, that we're all starting to yeah. be uh, become aware of. And, and um, you know, the, the change in our industry from, from character type, which has been a gatekeeping device in our yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. And getting away from that and really helping young artists understand what is my essence? What do I bring to, to the work that I, the storytelling that I do? And how can I find a piece that supports that, That's right? Yeah. And, and so, so regardless of, you know, regardless of, uh, of whether or not um, you are the same gender expression as the, the person who originally sang it. Maybe that's completely okay as long as it embodies your essence, right? Mm-hmm. That's as, right. A, as a performer. And so it's really, there's been so much change and, um, and that's why, why we just really felt it was necessary to, to kind of tackle I, a new, new I mean, I remember thinking about that from when I was teaching musical theater students all exclusively at the college level in a conservatory setting. I mean, you know, that was 2005 to 2008. Like, we talked about that all the time. I mean, it was like all about your, you know, because if you're going to go to an audition, you got to blah, 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 blah. And I'm so glad to see that evolving. Like, I just had a client, she went in to an audition for a Golden Age musical, and she took in I've Come to Wife at Wealthily in Padua because she was like, this is me. This is an expression of myself. And I was like, hey. Love that. Go 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 go! Nail it, and she did. And, um, and and we really, as as educators, we have to be leading the way. Sure. It's our industry is changing, but it's changing mm-hmm. too slow. And we have an opportunity mm-hmm. as educators to really, uh, through our students, move this conversation forward and have casting directors who, you know, a lot of them are doing their work, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. But have a ca- have really blow the minds of the casting directors and the people behind the table. Say, oh wow, I did not see that choice coming. And I, I see why you chose that. And it makes me interested in you as a, as a human being uh, beyond being, being a great performer. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, one of the things, um, few, and I'm, I'm curious if you, if you talk at all about this in the book, if you deal with this in the book, but one of the things that Matt Edwards was sharing with us a couple years ago mm-hmm. when, when he was on the show was, and obviously Matt's at Shenandoah and, you know, yeah. deals with, you know, one of the big schools getting lots of auditionees and, and whatever. And he was talking to us about the consultant. 
and the, so many of these kids hiring consultants. Do you talk about that at all in the book and that culture and that world, or, or do you just kind of leave that? Oh, no, we, 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 we address it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have thoughts. <laughs> some of the numbers like that he threw out at us that people were paying for some of those situations <sighs> made me, as a parent, want to vomit. <laughs> Particularly a parent who's also an artist. Um, whose son yeah. particularly now is involved in a youth acting troupe and doing Broadway Junior this summer and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going, uh, <laughs> uh, But he also has parents who are, you know, in the industry and can help a little bit more than some parents perhaps could and all this kind of thing. Anyway. I do have we, to say, though, that, yeah, we do talk about that um, uh, in the book and, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, if you don't have access to that, that just, you know, it real. and I have to say, I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to sit in on Unified Auditions, which is a group audition yeah. that they do for colleges, for people that can go kind of one day and see a lot of different schools and audition mm -hmm. for them. And, you know, I sat in a couple of rooms and I have to say the colleges are hip to this, <laughs> which mm -hmm. which makes me feel good, too. You know, they can tell when someone's been packaged, you know, they kind of can see yeah. what they're wearing, what they're performing. Mm -hmm. You know, they can tell that person. And they also can see sort of the unicorn kid, I like to call them, you know, that this kid that comes in that obviously has had zero access to that is maybe, you know, not singing an appropriate song, but they can see the spark and, and the, you know, the talent and whatever. So, you know, the schools understand that too, so that the people who don't have access to that, you don't need that. You don't need that to be successful. You don't need that to get into these schools. Um, and, and frankly, it does sort of, it can make you it can make you a package, as you said, Sarah. Like it's not that's not necessarily <laughs> it's not a, yeah. necessarily a good thing. And that, this is not to say that there aren't good programs out there. I, I know some of the programs are good programs, and they are offering good information. But it's not the only way. And part of why we wanted to write this book was for that kid who didn't have access to that, who doesn't have go. a performing arts high school who doesn't have the musical theater person in their town but they still want to audition and they have the spark and they've been doing the school plays and that person still has a right to be at that school so so how do they help themselves how do they find mm. teachers or yeah. how do they find you know and and part of one of the things that happened in the pandemic that I think is great is, you know, people realize they can teach via Zoom, right? So you yes. can get access to voice teachers. David and I both, you know, have clients all over the country. David, I think, has some all over the world. So you, yeah. you can... My entire can, private clients are online. I don't teach one in person other yeah. than here at the university. So, yeah. Right. So that is something now that you can do. Yep. Yeah, that's huge. right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So now okay. you can get access to that. You know, you can find that. You can find the material. You know, our site is one of the ways um, that you can do that. You know, you can find the material out there. You can find um, teachers. So we're just trying to be a conduit for that and be, you know, an inexpensive way. You get the book and hopefully you get access to that information of how to help yourself. And as David said, be the best you can be. I think the other yeah. thing we really try to get across in the book is changing the mindset from I need to be what they want me to be to how do I figure out who I am mm -hmm. and bring the best of that self to an audition room because oh, I think the mindset you you know a lot of people and even professional actors have this when they come in of like how do I be what they want me to be and I said that's not the way you walk into an audition room ever you should not walk in thinking how do I be what they want you have to figure out how to be the best you how to figure out what you are what you do well what is unique about you and your mm -hmm. instrument and you as a performer and figure out how to best bring that into a room. And once you can do that, whether they bring you into their school or their show or their whatever that is, that's out of your control. What you can control is, am I being authentic? And am I bringing an authentic self into the room? And so that anybody can learn. It's, it's maybe, you know, a unique idea, but I think anyone can do that. And once you can figure out who that is, you can start finding the right material. You can start figuring out how to bring that into a room. And then, you know, what happens is what happens. You know, it's maybe, you know, it may not be the answer you want, but at least then, you know, I've brought myself. And if they choose not to bring that, that's on them, you know? Yeah. That's so right. That's so yeah, good. That's, that's so good. Um, so this book, this one is available through your website, on Amazon, probably, I'm assuming. Yep, Amazon. 
Um, perfect. Mastering College Musical Theater Auditions. Definitely get yourself a copy of that, particularly if you're training, you know, aspiring musical theater singers or, or maybe you have someone else in your life who is looking at, at, at doing some... Uh, you know, considering this, uh, or if you the, yourself the, are an aspiring musician, or if you editor. yourself are out there as a high school student considering yeah, this world, if you just don't know where to start. Um, please, please get that book. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was y'all have a new book out in its now first <laughs> edition, <laughs> performing in contemporary musicals. Gosh, I can't imagine. First of all. I have sworn off the idea of writing like a full serious book in my life. It's not going to happen. I do intend to write a book. However, it's going to be purely satire and make fun of us voice teachers. Oh, um, please. Please, um, please write that book. I am, not, I am not. The last thing the world needs is another voice pedagogy book. But one that's funny. Now, that's a different thing. Um, anyway, uh, but so congratulations on the second book being out. Um how, wh- what was the genesis of this one? I mean, obviously there was good justification and need for the auditioning book. What, t- talk to us a little bit about what you know. What was the what was the brain genesis of of, of why? why why did why this one? Both Laura and I love new musicals. We love developing them. We love I, I love writing them. I, you know, um, we've both worked in lots of different capacities on new shows. And uh, we've specifically worked on new musicals with a lot of young artists involved, either in college or, or uh, early career professional artists. Um, and what we were seeing is that um, some were being really, uh, really great collaborators for the, for the creative team and others were not. And, mm, okay. um, and it's so important to understand how to support a new musical as as a as a performer, um, there's there's a lot you need to know. I mean, there are a lot of skills, and a lot of these skills are taught in an undergraduate musical theater program, which is great. But they're not necessarily taught with the, that particular context in mind. For instance, sight reading. Yes, you know, all, most programs are teaching sight reading. Are they teaching cold reading? Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, they're teaching. They're teaching dramaturgy. They're uh, probably script analysis, right? But they may not be teaching dramaturgy specific right. to like a musical. Like, what is the dramaturgy of a musical? How is a musical built, right? There, there's all this information that, you know, that they may circle around in their undergraduate experience. But, but there's a lot of stuff that can be very, very useful to a writing team. Um, and so we decided, you know, the pandemic happened and we're like, let's write a book. <laughs> it's like yeah. something that we had talked about. And um, and so we really thought um, I'd been teaching. A, I piloted a course at Wagner College on Staten Island um, where I taught for a couple of years. And um, I piloted a course uh, on contemporary musical theater. It was really geared around this and, and brought Laura in to do. Um, some work with me on that and we were like this is this needs to be a codified textbook and that's really what we set out to do so it's um, it is uh, a book full of information about what is contemporary musical theater um, and then all of the things that you need to know each chapter tackles a different uh, subject whether it be dramaturgy singing contemporary musical theater uh, acting contemporary musical theater collaboration you know it's so fascinating to me that that we all collaborate with each other all the time but it's probably the one thing that we that nobody really taught us how to do yep yeah. in this art yeah. form why are we not talking about that so we were like that has to be part of it and it's it's such an important part about um specific to to new musicals because as as a performer you have to be selfless it's not about you. It's about how you serve the vision of the writer's piece. And and so it's just speaking to that. Picking up new material quickly. These are these are some of the things. And so we have activities. There's also an online companion. Um, and we interviewed over um, 50 uh, uh, professionals uh, across the industry from stage managers to directors to producers to really fill out the the experience uh, and give better context for the information that we share in the book. Um, My wife, uh, for multiple years, I don't know how many now, five or six, seven, I don't remember, 
um, had done um, a, it was part of the Virginia Arts Festival, but she had participated in the John Duffy Composers Institute, where mm. they would go in and workshop scenes from new operas. Composers would cool. come down and they would bring, you know, specifically scenes from new operas because... Um, uh, it was a, and it was a great opportunity for the performers. It was a great opportunity for the composers, the the librettist, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, kind of uh, to get that kind of workshop experience. And and one of the things, you know, that my wife would always be like is, people don't read well enough to actually to actually do this and to be able to serve the composer. And then she was like, and also. Uh, you know, she was very valuable there because then she could also talk to them from a very voice teacher kind of standpoint of be like, hey, listen, this 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 passage you wrote here, I can't, it's unsingable. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, and, and a lot of people throughout, I mean, you know, I had done new works, you know, the, you know, at times as well, and I've worked with the composer. Like a couple years ago, I had a guy commission a, a song cycle um, had heard me sing, and we did it. We did a little. Actually, it's not a song cycle. It's just one really long song. Oh. But I had to like write him back because his first, he was like, I haven't written much for singers, and I was like, well, you know, let, let, write something and, and we'll see, you know, whatever. And he sent it, and he's like, what's your range? And I'm like, well, I mean, I you know, I I can sing kind of whatever you want, but I mean, you know, probably you know up to a C sharp or something like that. And like, of course, then like the tessitura was just like insanely right <laughs> too high. Um. Uh. And I had to go back and be like, "Hey, so like, if you want this, it's gonna sound like Nessun Dorma, and I don't think you want this on this text, you know." Um. Yeah. So it is a different kind of experience compared to doing Oklahoma. <laughs> As a director, you know, having there are certain people, and this was you know part of the impetus when we were writing the book of, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm doing readings and workshops of new work, you hire the same performers, you know, and why do I gravitate to those people? Because they have these skill sets that that are really unique. It's really a unique set of skills. And that's what we really wanted to focus on in the book. And one of them, as you kind of talked about, was this ability to speak to living writers. I mean, an opera world even more so, right? But yeah. musical theater as well. You have the writers in the room, which is not a gift you have if you're doing a revival of Oklahoma. So you do have that ability, but you also have to learn you know, when new pages come in day after day, right? You just worked on this last night and now today they gave you a whole new scene or a whole new song or a song is cut. And now there's this gap in your character that no longer makes sense because they took out something. And how do I make that work as a performer as it is evolving during this process? Mm -hmm. And that really is a set of skills. As David said, we learn those skills, you know, when we're at conservatory or, or in these undergraduate programs, but not specific to how to apply them in a new works environment and as you said having the ability to speak to a writer how do you do that in a way you know is that the place of an actor when is that the place of an actor who do you speak to first or how do you let them know this doesn't sit comfortably in my voice or i did notice this moment with a character but also the actor who is able to bring something to a role maybe it's a smaller part and they do something you know in the rehearsal and then the director or the writers see that and say oh that actually could be developed we could we could Mm -hmm. you know riff on that and add a scene or a song and that's how that happens and those are the performers who are able to have those skills who get asked back time after time to do that new work and as a performer you need to realize that the actor who does the first reading and does the first workshop and the director and the writers like them when that show goes on that's the performer who's going to stay so it's it's really pivotal to learn those skills because that's how you're going to get in on the ground floor and if you never learn those skills or you become that performer who's not you know the performer says I'm not really a good sight reader I'm not a cold reader you know it takes me a long time to learn you know you're not going to get in on that so that that is something that really becomes important for performers to know if they want to work in the industry successfully one of the things that we also talk about in the book is is kind of having a, a deep appreciation for the development process of a show so we actually take a whole chapter where we um we interview writers from literally around the world the u.s mm-hmm. canada 
um, the UK, Australia, and South Korea. And we, they varied, these writers very generously shared with us the entire development history of their shows. Wow. And then we interviewed them based on those, based on that with like, okay, you had a two year break here. What was happening with the show in this break? How were you, and by the way, how were you supporting yourself <laughs> in this well, time, <laughs> right? And yeah. just because a lot of times I think um, performers, understandably, they're going from thing to thing. It's, but to take a moment to say, oh, there's a history here right there's a, a, a history of development here that i i'm stepping into all of this uh, there's all of the stuff that has happened before i have even arrived right mm -hmm. so i need to be respectful of that um and to know that the the writers and the director have have thought about a lot of the things questions i may have right and and how do how then do i approach with appreciation um for this work even even though it's it's still in development right i think that's mm -hmm. that's really really important and I think yeah. You, and in, in addition please. to that, we 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 all oh sorry, we also no, spend no, a lot of time talking about all of the all of the players, you know, in a musical. Mm -hmm. Musicals have a lot of working parts, and I think it's a lot of performers come in, you know, besides knowing this development history, understanding everybody who's in the room, yeah, and that they have had a history with the show. You know, we talk about you know a performer who walks into a room and hasn't done their homework. Like, do your homework. Know who these writers are. What have they done before? What does the what has the director worked on? The choreographer, the music director. What is their history with the show? And also what their jobs are. We talked We talked to a couple of uh, Broadway producers and talk, uh, including Lori Gladowski, who's produced uh, several Broadway shows. And she said, you know, I, I, I hosted a reading and a writer, ca uh, a performer came in and, and did not even know who I was, you know, and she's yeah. like, you know, I'm the producer, I'm writing your check. Like, <laughs> you need to have had done enough homework to know who I am. And that's really important for performers to, because I think there is this, ability of a performer to to stay a little egocentric and think they are the center of the universe and realizing <laughs> the goal is you know we're in for the long haul so a lot of those it's really important for you to know all the players and understand your piece where you fit into that universe mm -hmm. so really i mean this book ha really has quite the wide audience yeah that's our hope. I mean, we we did write it as a textbook, so we do hope that the colleges and universities around the, the nation and, and internationally will actually use it as such. You know, we'll use it as the basis. As we mentioned, there are a lot of activities, um, a very robust uh, resource section on our online companion uh, for further reading. Um, and it's also, but it's also written in such a way that it can be used uh, by, you know, musical theater performers in any mm -hmm. stage of their career. Um, we really wanted to speak to to both audiences. We thought that was important. So I have a question that is related to the book, but let's say that any of our listeners are out there maybe producing a university theater program, musical theater program, Sure. how would that individual go about maybe trying to actually get a musical workshop at their school? Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure this is a, not specific to anyone even not on the all. podcast. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like what? What would that process be like? I mean, would it be uh, would it be through work, you know getting a grant for a commission? Would it be like what? What would that? What would that be like? Um, we've done a, a. We've actually so one of the things that that we did uh, back in the day. This was uh, 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. um, we did a workshop at Marymount Manhattan College, and mm -hmm. um, instead of bringing in a particular work, um, we had the uh, the idea to create to actually bring in uh, a set of writers we had it was uh, four writers uh i think there was uh one writing team and then uh two uh composer lyricists and we had the students audition for them uh -huh. uh, we did the initial the initial audition and then we and the, the whole thing was like just bring your best contemporary musical theater mm -hmm. whatever you think that is and then we had the writers and the callbacks and we asked the writers to write specifically for those students. Um, the, the, I, the, the kind of um, 
uh, Laura, help me. The inspiration. The inspiration. The, the launching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it. Yeah, we, we use the uh, New York Times vows column. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the New York Times has, or they had, a column called vows. And basically they would interview yeah. a couple who had recently uh, wed and kind of talk about their history, how they met, and you know whatever mm -hmm. their little story was. So we told the writers they could pick any story they wanted, and that was their jumping off point for writing a 10-minute musical. Phenomenal. It was really that, great. That must because, be phenomenal. Especially for the school. Yeah, getting yes. listening to what you're working with so that they don't write something. And then you're like, okay, but we don't have anyone that could sing this. Well, there's that. And then there, that's exactly right. Sarah. And the other thing is, it's, you know, like, okay, who's going to play the 50-year-old, like, yeah, yeah, grandfather? That's, like, like th that's that's a huge problem with, with, with university Especially at universities, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. So why not? Like, we, we had... Um, um, uh, a stipend for each writer. It was not a crazy uh, amount of money, but we we were able to pay each writer uh, something for their time, mm -hmm. and we uh, brought them in at different stages of the process. And so the students could see, oh, okay. Uh, Laura used that great example of like if I, if I bring if I actually make choices, and that's that's something that we also see a lot of young artists are deathly afraid on new material to make choices yeah. in their you know in, in their intentions and it's like oh okay but you're not going to get you're not going to be asked back because you're not you're not you're not filling this work with anything right so yeah. we had a really smart actor who you know had literally was a role of a delivery guy and in in they, they were like we don't know what the scene looks like could you just improv something so he improvs this brilliant scene this that he gets a song he gets like there's so much that happens just because this these the writers are in the room and the student got a chance to 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 show like I'm I'm game I'm willing to do whatever you want to do right so yeah. it was probably one of the most formative experiences I think for for the students but also for us and to really see how important it is um, the, the work that that we can all do together to collaborate to 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 elevate a piece that's really cool that's awesome so that's this book cool. performing in contemporary musicals to go, to this go back is, to your question though please please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, but to go back to your question, though, we also have acted as a bit of a conduit. You know, we, we do love, um, you know, championing the writers on ContemporaryMusicalTheater.com. So, you know, we mm -hmm. have had colleges and universities reach out to us, and we do try to help our writers because there are writers who have musicals that are appropriate for that age group um, mm -hmm. and do have those, you know, musicals in their drawer and, and do want to... Um, develop them and the university is a great testing ground for for new material it can be if you have the right as you said the right demographics for for right. the musicals so you know That's we're right. happy to always you know help that um, transpire if we can of, of hooking up a writer and I think you know colleges and universities are getting smarter about being bringing young artists and trying to do new musicals uh, as part of their curriculum, which I think is a great thing because it does help um, this skill set that we're talking about in the book, um, and especially in this area that David's talking about of making choices. I think that's something that, um, as a director, I see a lot. Um, young artists afraid to make a choice, and what they basically do is, you know, read the script to me, and I'm like, you know, we know what the yeah. script says. I read that at home once. So that's not really what I'm interested in. I'm interested in what do you think about the script? And I think learning how to be brave enough to do that is is a skill everyone needs. And I think bringing new material because there is nothing. They can't look it up on YouTube. They can't mm -hmm. they can't find a, a recording of the show because it doesn't exist yet. So every choice for that material is going to be made by the artist. And that can be very daunting if you've never done that before, um, but it's also really exciting. So learning how to do that and be brave and, and come into a room, A, like David said, be selfless. So knowing, you know, I may bring something in that I thought was brilliant and they go, no, and go, okay, just discard that and go on with the next one. I talk about it mm -hmm. as being like going into a dressing room and trying things on. I like, that's what I like as a director. You try something and I go, no, that's not it. And they go, Okay, well, I have another idea. Great, let me see the next one. You know, because that's that's what bringing new work is. You know, the that's writers right. don't even know yet a that's lot right. of the time, right? They they wrote this in a room by themselves. Nobody yeah. was there. It's not a it's not a show until performers 
try it on, right? That so they is, yeah. need those performers to know if the material is going to work. And then they do something, and then that's the spark to take it to the next level. So we need those performers, and they need to learn how to be brave, how to take that choice that may be wrong. You know, but David and I had a, had a performer we loved called Sam Tadaldi, and she we always say the, the strong and wrong. Go strong and wrong, right? I yes. love just to just commit to the choice. If it's wrong, we just move on. That's You've got true. somewhere to go then, then exactly. rather than, yeah, you have a hesitancy and you're like, I, I can't do anything with this. I don't even Absolutely. know what this was. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, and it's not, and it's, you know, that, that is being selfless, you know, in a way, but it's also knowing that doing multiple choices of something is part of the process. And we all need to know that a wrong idea is not really a wrong idea because it may take us to the next, you know, you do something and, and I say, that's that's not what I want, but you just made me think of something by doing that yeah. really wrong choice. Now I have an idea of where we should go. So I think it's also realizing that um, a, as a performer, that, that that's what you can bring to some to new work. That's what the writers need to hear. Yeah, and I mean that that kind of attitude is so important in any kind of show you're doing. But gosh, we're just we just came off about a, a few weeks ago. We just finished our run of of the revival version of Godspell, mm -hmm. and it's so improvisatory. And the cast had such a hard time being yes. like mm -hmm. willing to like make wait. A choice. So I just have to Go make a decision about like what. Yeah, yeah, you. It's it's basically unscripted in this scene. So just uh, figure go figure, for it. Figure some. Give us something. Yeah, do something, and yeah. we'll tell you if it didn't if it didn't read like. <laughs> or if yeah, you went I mean, too far. But yeah, and I mean, you know, we have a whole chapter on dramaturgy. We talk a lot about that. And as David mentioned too, like, you know, when you do a, a script analysis class, you know, and you work on on a musical, uh, you know, back to Oklahoma. You know, if you study Oklahoma, that's really great, and you can understand how they built yeah. the show and you know the source material and all that, and that's fantastic. But a lot of new musicals, especially in the early stages, they don't work. And by that, yeah. I mean, you know, the show doesn't necessarily make sense yet. There are gaps. There are you know structural storyline arcs. There's going to be character problems. Like you know, they were working on one character, so your character comes in over here, and we don't see them again for five scenes, and something major mm -hmm. obviously has happened to my character, and I don't understand how I got to that from what's before. As a performer, that's your job. Your job is to finish that story arc. If maybe what you're handed is not working yet right. you have to yeah. know how i'm going to be the one standing out there on the stage i gotta make it work i gotta and if i don't get what i need from the writer or the director which sometimes can't happen for a number of reasons i mean they may know there's an issue but they uh, may be unable to fix it at the moment or whatever you still need to make that moment work as a performer. So you need to have those skills dramaturgically to say, okay, I'm going to make a, a story arc for my character from scene one to scene five, even though right now I don't have one. So that when I come back on, I understand where that character has been and what happened and what my story arc is so that I can make sense of it. And yeah. that can happen in a song, you know, as well, because a lot of them, you know, maybe lyrically, musically, that doesn't happen until you can get it to the next point. So understanding dramaturgy is really critical so that you can understand and, and that you can understand what the writers are going through as they're doing this rewriting process and how hard that is, especially in a musical because there's well, so many there's so many things that can go wrong <laughs> so that's right no that's right yeah that's right. i know because I've, I've made literally all the mistakes well <laughs> so. i mean and you know sometimes i think unfortunately sometimes some things that we've seen on major stages got rushed perhaps because the composer mm. was famous um you, you know i mean i i saw that the has, beautiful that... i saw the beautiful game when it first opened in london so i mean um uh, and andrew you okay anyway i mean it, let's make a musical out of soccer it's fine um whatever uh a anyway um before we run out of time um uh because sarah and i both do need to go teach lessons here at the top of the hour um uh one of the things we do on Vocal Fry is, with everyone, um, and particularly people who are as interesting as y'all, um, are uh, we, we ask everyone, because um, Vocal Fry is, has, has its lovely dual focus of pedagogy and pop culture, a any um, major pop culture interests that either of you have, mm -hmm. from, from any your favorite Netflix binge to to the fact that you breed tropical fish to uh, your favorite cosplay. We've, we've what, heard it a lot, um, a, a lot of things. We've, we've had a lot of people into gardening uh, in one season. Um, Chopping wood. Uh, uh, Didn't know, but anything whatever. you'd be willing to share with the vocal fam. Laura, do you want to kick us off? 
Um, so I do love going theater. I'm lucky enough to live in New York City and Broadway is back. So I have uh, recently gone to see the revival of Company, which I adored. If anyone is in New York, please okay. go see that production. It is fantastic. They've changed Bobby to a female and Katrina Link is fantastic. Uh, I'm very excited. David and I are going to go see uh, A Strange Loop on Monday night. So we're thrilled about seeing that show. Uh, other than that, I'm a podcast lover. I just finished The Trojan Horse on Serial. So if anyone is a podcast right, lover, yeah. as I'm okay. sure they are because they're listening right. to this. Um, so that that's what I, I I'm, I'm, I'm in the mountains right now. I have a house in upstate New York. So I am enjoying being uh, out of doors and doing a little hiking while the weather is good. Absolutely. Oh, lovely. I've been listening to Cicio McLaurin Salvon who's a phenomenal jazz, a Grammy award-winning jazz artist. Uh, I uh, listened to her song, Fog. Okay. That's all I have to say. That's it, that's it. Really, really extraordinary. Um, and my my husband, Albert, and I have been binge watching Bad Vegan on Bad. Netflix. Okay. I, don't, I don't know this. Oh, it's the story of Pure Food and Wine, which is uh, was a very famous raw, um, uh, vegan restaurant in New York City and it's kind of like how that all went south um, because it closed uh -huh. um, and it's it the story is gobsmacking like you can't like every episode ends and you're like how is this real life it, it seems like it's, I love stuff like that yeah it's really like how did you believe that that he was gonna do okay you just it's <laughs> It's, I love that. You know, it's really, really fascinating. Totally. Is that a it's, series or a, a movie? Series? It's it's a series. It's just it's four episodes, like okay. about an hour. I each. love it. They're, a little docu series. Yeah, a little docu series. Yeah, yeah. There, it's really, um, it's it's nom 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 good. Okay. <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, David, Laura, this has just been absolutely phenomenal. Yes. I'm I'm so glad you all gave the vocal fam some of your time, um, and oh, we appreciate okay. it. Mm -hmm very very much uh uh we have a tradition sarah what'd you have for breakfast oh um it was just greek yogurt today it was it was real boring no fruit no nothing well there was honey in it oh, okay there was it, it was i mean if i'm being real you know it's got to be sweet okay i was waiting for there were some chocolate there was no chips. chocolate in it okay. not today all right, all right. <laughs> it's, it's only most weeks okay you know we never hit like maybe it was because we were like so busy and not recording like we never hit your egg stride this semester i did have an egg stride where maybe we i just was i it. was on an egg making kick but i was making it for lunch so that might have been why uh, Vocal Fam, Sarah and I will be back with you next week, just the but two of be us. us. Because, and it's actually kind of good because, to be completely honest, we have some stuff that we need to catch up on. Um, Thor dropped this week. Oh, yeah. Thor trailer. Our pop culture. We're woefully 207 behind. million views in 24 hours. Uh, we saw. We saw. Fantastic Beasts. We, we saw Fantastic Beasts. We're getting we, ready for Doctor Strange. We're, all we're, the things. We'll, we'll make our final oh, Doctor, Doctor Who. We'll make our final Doctor Strange predictions. That terrible episode of Doctor Who. Because oh, um, we haven't even talked. Oh my gosh. Anyway, anyway. anyway. So there's lots to catch you up on Vocal Fam. Uh, Sarah and I are finishing the semester. This is our last Friday of class. It's <gasps> wild. Do you know I didn't actually realize so this was the last week of classes until <gasps> this week. I thought we had two like two. I thought we had two more, and then I was looking at my calendar and I was like, <sighs> Oh my gosh, I have to give people finals next week. Oh this. no. <laughs> This has so been a this semester has been a journey. It turns out that producing two plays in the same semester, one of which you starred in by yourself, isn't a mistake. That that, <laughs> that is is wrong. Is you should not do that. And also don't, don't move. And also move in that semester. Oh, Doing all three of those no. things is a mistake. It it, it 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 turns out. Well, now you know. So and, and I intend to never do that again. <laughs> um, so anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, Laura, David, thank you so much. Yes, we, we thank appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for thank having, you us, for having us. So much All fun. right, yeah. vocal fam. We'll we'll be back with you next week. Peace.